My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and to this end, we're joined on today's show by Rob Goddard, a mentor, investor and international speaker. Um, Rob has founded numerous startup businesses and through his eponymous business, Rob Goddard Limited, he provides insight guidance and input to other business owners who are looking to go on their own leadership and scale-up journey. Uh, Rob, a very warm welcome to you today and thank you for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you. Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be invited. Thank you, Scott. Um, my pleasure, Rob. Um, it's good to have you alongside us to uh, really come and share your insight. And uh, just to kind of set the scene, really, for those listeners that might not be familiar with you and your work, I've obviously given a little bit of a brief overview as to what it is you do. But what is it that you specialise in, in your own words, Rob? I guess in a sentence, I help businesses or business owners start up, scale up, and eventually sell up a whole um, SME business cycle. So that's what I do. And I do it via a, a combination of training, coaching, mentoring. Um, and I've spent myself 40 years, over 40 years in business, both in the corporate world and the, and the world of SME. So uh, I like to feel I've got, I can add value to business owners to help them on their journey, just as I've had people over the years help me on mine. Yeah, absolutely. So you've kind of been the guiding light there for uh, those um, individuals who are the next generation of entrepreneurs moving through that journey, sort of like you had. Mm. And uh, I suppose we should probably talk about some of the uh, the key sort of takeaways that sort of you had sort of going through that journey yourself. So what would you say are some of the biggest lessons in leadership that sort of you've taken from your time in business before you sort of moved into that mentoring side? Yeah, I, I guess I didn't listen to people. Mm. in my 20s and 30s. I thought I had all the answers. And and the more I worked, and as the years ticked by, the more I realized I didn't know all the answers. And, and actually, there's a wealth of people uh, around me that I could tap into for help, guidance, advice, a sounding board, you know, where you've got a decision to make and you're not too sure which would be the best route. So uh, definitely... Active listening was something I was not very good at in my earlier years. And it's something, it's a learned skill now. I still find, I have to be honest with you, Scott, and, and the listeners, I still find it difficult sometimes. <laughs> I, I, still, I still go back to default position, yeah. which is, I think, I'm right. <laughs> and others have to persuade me otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, I understand. And um, I, th- I think it's, it's important, isn't it, to understand that even as leaders, even at the top of the business, I mean, we're not infallible. We are always prone to getting things wrong. And I think, obviously, probably the, one of the biggest reality checks that we've seen over the uh, the last uh, couple of years, certainly, is probably what happened uh, with COVID. I mean, it's when, when we saw so many businesses across various industries sort of completely and utterly taken by surprise by what was going on. And we were in a position where we had no choice but to pivot and adapt. And it was a situation of we're just going to have to think on our feet here. I don't know what what's going to happen in the long term we're having to be short term it's completely out of choice and we're just kind of hoping and praying that this is going to work and credit to the entrepreneurial spirit that we have in the UK we've seen so many businesses adapting to the changing circumstances and they managed to make it through I think that's spot on actually Scott it's that ability to pivot and to question what you did before and say well maybe the world has changed and maybe the things that used to work for us not all of them work for us going forward and maybe we need to adapt and be flexible. 
Uh, in fact, I had a conversation with a company a couple of weeks ago. They're looking to sell their business. They started in 2019, just before lockdown and global, you know, uh, and, and the impact on uh, the global economy. Um, and they've generated a business that's turning over two and a half million in less than three years during COVID. Mm. How wonderful is that? So um, I, I, I was really intrigued by that. You know, what was the secret sauce? What did they do that a lot of businesses weren't doing? And definitely one of the things was flexibility. And being able to look at things and say, well, okay, we know what we can't do. So what, what can we do? What can we influence? Yeah. That's exactly it, isn't it? I mean, it's like it's looking at what you can control rather than getting bogged down in those uh, sort of factors that you, you can't control, that you don't have influence over. And I think sometimes as leaders, what we try and do a little bit too much of is kind of bring too many elements into, you know, that circle of influence, let's say, where, you know, we can have a direct impact on things rather than focusing on how we can sort of respond and react to those things that we can't control. Yeah, yeah, and I think part of the role for any coach or mentor is to give support and encouragement. Uh, a lot of business leaders would like to make a decision, but they feel uncertain. And, of course, pro- procrastination can kill it. It's better to make a decision, even if it ends up being the wrong one. There's a learning experience in all of that. But to do nothing or to sit on your laurels is actually a killer for any business because... Uh, Business and economies move forward. You can't actually tread water these days. Yeah, that you is very true. Forward, otherwise you sink below the waves. Mm. That is exactly right. And do you think sort of culturally in this country, we're a little bit guilty sometimes of being a little bit risk averse and maybe kind of shying away from making a tough decision because it could result in a setback. It could result in failure. And maybe we see failure as being sort of too terminal rather than that learning curve that you just talked about. I think, I think there's some truth to that culturally. Um, I also think it's true if you subdivide it into industries. Some industries are far less uh, accommodating of risk. Um, and so that tends to hamper growth and, and companies to plateau. But I think even within those industries that tend to be quite conservative with a small C and, 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 and risk averse, you've still got individuals in that industry that don't fit that, that old and are willing to be entrepreneurial, are willing to make decisions. And uh, I have one of these big ideas that um, unless you're in education, um, everyone should have, or, or employment, everyone should have their own business. Full stop. Big yeah. idea. Yeah. This is incubator group, BIG. Um, so, and, and even people that have... Um, restrictions on movement, etc. Like my brother, he's got cerebral palsy. He can work. Stephen Hawkins works. Anyone can work for themselves. And I think part of that encouragement is to encourage people if they haven't got a job, they can start one tomorrow. What they do need around them, and it's what I had years ago, is a supportive group of people, an incubator. And, and people they could tap into that could give guidance and advice. There's no reason for anyone to be unemployed in this country. I think you're absolutely right. And um, I think there's also something um, which hopefully is quite a positive development that's obviously coming out of uh, circumstances at the moment. And that's the fact that we're seeing a very difficult uh, recruitment environment, aren't we, in a lot of sectors. And what we are seeing certainly since the pandemic is that when candidates are putting themselves forward for vacancies, 
you know they're concerned about very very different things compared to maybe pre-pandemic they're a lot more concerned about things like sort of csr and esg and part of that of course is what opportunities are you opening up for um people with disabilities for instance and sort of getting mm-hmm. them into the uh, the workplace and there's something like a 30 percent demographic um, in this country that's either disabled or at least related to or knows very closely a disabled person so you know if you're a business that doesn't really have that in mind you know you're going to be losing out on 30 percent of the talent pool that's already out there aren't you so it's something important for business leaders to consider and it's also something for those that are looking to start a business as well that are obviously um that are are faced with a disability that you know you can go out there you can make a business for yourself even if you feel the opportunities aren't there but it's just the support isn't it that's the key thing it is. It is. And, and of course, anyone, whether um, fall under the disability or not, um, anyone can start up a business tomorrow. The internet has made that possible in the last 30 years. It was, it was quite difficult to do that in, in previous years. Now, anyone can set up a business and sell their talents, expertise and knowledge online. They don't have to have uh, office premises. They don't need a shop. Um, they can use the internet to house their business if they so choose to. Exactly right. It's so, so very versatile, isn't it? And um, just thinking about, um, obviously, uh, what we talked about earlier on, that kind of advice for somebody who would be looking to start a business tomorrow. We talked about the value mm-hmm. of listening. I think something that ties into what we've discussed just now is also the value of networking as well, isn't it? Go out and obviously seek out the people who've been there and done it and value the advice that they give you. So it ties into the listening, but it's also the value of networking as well, isn't it? Because it's it's sharing your knowledge, but also be willing to listen to what's also coming back your way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I um, I used to have, at one point in my life, I had a very highly paid employed job, and I lost that. And I couldn't find re-employment. And uh, so I was forced into being a one-man band owner-manager because I couldn't, I, I couldn't get through the job interviews. Um, so um, it wasn't as if I chose working myself it, it chose me um, and I had no money no starter capital I had £2,000 left on one of my credit cards and I set up a 10 page website got someone to set it up pay them. and then I went out and networked like hell to, to be quite frank so business card the, the rest of the money the rest of the £2,000 was on business cards so I went out and networked uh, with a smile and um, wanted to connect with people. Um, yes, you can do it through the internet as well. You can make connections through LinkedIn, and uh, LinkedIn is where I generate most of my referrals and contact in business. But there is no substitute for actually pressing the flesh and meeting people in person. It isn't a substitute, is it? And I suppose now that we are sort of out of the social restrictions of uh, COVID, um, that's probably one yeah. of the good things to come out of leaving the uh, the pandemic, the fact that in-person networking has returned and those, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs can really take advantage of that. And um, something else that I do want to talk about, Rob, is kind of the support that businesses are getting in order to, you know, spread their wings and succeed in the current climate as well. Because um, we've seen, um, obviously, a suite of government policies um, come out very recently. Just for context for the listeners tuning into this, we are recording on the 26th of September 2022. So this is just three days, of course, after uh, newly appointed Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng announced a swathe of tax cuts, including a corporation tax, um, obviously, increase being cancelled. but also um, an income tax cut to the uh, the highest tax bracket um, earning, earners as well. Um, 
that that is a move clearly, which is to entice investment back into the UK, isn't it? And to back business to invest in the latest innovations, let's say, Rob. But uh, something that has come up on this particular podcast um, in recent episodes as well is the fact that a lot of the government support programmes out there, and they are impressive, don't get me wrong, uh, but they are quite short termist. It's quite intense support for sort of one to three year periods. But there's no kind of legacy beyond that. There's no sort of long-term soft-touch support to essentially enable these businesses to succeed long into the future and ultimately sort of scale up and sort of keep what they're doing in the uh, in the UK. So in order to truly back business, do you feel like uh, this new government under Liz Truss also needs to be looking at how it's helping business in that sense as well, rather than just, oh, here's a few tax cuts for you? <laughs> Well, there's a number of key questions in there. I'll try my best. Yeah, of course, yeah. Take it one at a time. Yeah, take it one at a time. No, how controversial would you like me to think, Scott? Yeah, speak your mind, Rob. Speak your mind. Um, Absolutely no problem at all. Okay, well, I I have said for decades, if you want to run a country, never get a politician to run it. Um, What you need are actually people in the real world, the people like business owners that understand real economics in the real world, who actually are familiar with how you align limited resources, how you use limited resources, how you align people around a common cause. So politicians are the wrong people. It should be a voluntary job. No paid politicians, thank you. Um, Coming back on track, the problem with politicians is it's all short-term thinking, which is probably why what you've just said, Scott, cascades through. Yeah. Because it's all short-term thinking. It's all about when I get voted in. And, and of course, the decision made by the Chancellor last week is a gamble, the big election gamble, before it's in two years' time when we all go to the polls. Um, I don't know. I'm not a professor of economics. I don't know whether it'll work or not. Time will tell, but I do think it is a gamble. Um, and obviously the market's reacted strongly on Friday with the pound dropping to a 50-year low against yeah. the dollar, the US dollar. Um, who knows? We'll find out over the next six to 12 months whether it's proven to be on the right path. Um, so short-termism, I, I would agree with. I think a lot of these government initiatives haven't been long enough because... Establishing a successful business can take decades, not a few years. And uh, that was, that's been my experience. I own four businesses. And um, none of them happen overnight. There's, there's a lot of get-rich-quick mentality. Around, yes. And it just doesn't work. Um, the real world isn't like that. So I think we need more people from business involved in these uh, initiatives. Um, and we need someone that's got business expertise and experience actually running the country. That would be good. And in ministerial positions. I wonder whether there's any, any MPs listening to this recording. I'd be very happy to help you. Yeah, like I say, there'll be a lot of entrepreneurs <laughs> tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think we know where it's out. We're used to running um, balance in the books. We're used to having to hire the right talent to deliver a service and, and high quality of service. And that's how we should be as a country. Mm. 
No, uh, there's a couple of things there that I want to touch on from what you said. And one of them was the fact that there is a little bit of a get rich quick mentality. And uh, that casts my mind back to uh, something that uh, Warren Buffett said, actually, if we go sort of across the pond for a moment. And uh, yeah. he said, so, I think he was asked um, by somebody, um, why doesn't everybody do what you do? Because it's proven, it works. And his response was simply that, the, the answer is people don't want to get rich slowly these days it's like so nobody essentially plays and invests it like he does I mean it's like he's got he's accumulated his resources over time but nobody wants to do that and that that is that is true isn't it it's absolutely so I hadn't heard that quote it, it is so true um, mm. for Warren Buffett um, and I, I think part, part of it this is where the internet has another role but a negative role which is people believe um, they're not about that you can become a millionaire in the next couple of months just by my course um, and I'll help you get there. It's rubbish. It's absolute nonsense unless you get lucky. I've never run a business on luck. <laughs> well, that's not been my strategy is to run it on luck. It takes years and years and certainly longer than a term of office for a politician. So I think there's a big role for business owners, entrepreneurs to play in the British economy. Not just delivering products and services, but actually in the running and getting involved in ministerial groups and lobby groups um, more than we are. Yeah, and I think, I've been yeah. involved in the public sector um, for decades in education and health in sector. Uh, I've never been once paid. <laughs> it's all been voluntary. And I, I think that's what politicians do if they, if they want to change the world. They do it for free. But also have a job on the side so you can support yourself and your family. Why not? Yeah, I, th- I told you I'd be a little bit controversial. Oh no, I can uh, no, I can I can see where you're coming from certainly. Yeah, but um, there's there's something as well that I want to touch on there. Um, that that's um, what what you said has really kind of brought this to uh, to the forefront of my mind. And I think a lot of the uh, the short termist thinking is the fact that politicians, given the political system that we're in, don't want to be counterintuitive and set their successors, potentially an opposition party, up for success, do they? So they're thinking very much in terms of this parliament's already pushed the next parliament if we get into power again rather than three or yeah. four parliaments time the long-term thinking that we're talking about and um i think obviously that sort of again that kind of fear of failure that we have obviously going and wasting a load of money on something that doesn't quite work because it takes time and the sort of that lacking of patience mm-hmm. like it all feeds into it doesn't it it's um so politicians perhaps don't want to throw their backing behind a long-term project because, of course, like I say, it could be setting up um, sort of the next uh, the next government for success. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, sadly, I think they're spot on. So. That would definitely be in their, in their thinking. Um, and, you know, you don't want to let the other side get in. But that, 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 that's a, a weakness of our system, really. Wouldn't it be great if we had people with real world real-world experience running a country and working collaboratively with others for the benefit of society. Um, Wouldn't it be wonderful? (laughs) Rather than careerist politicians and want to keep their jobs because they don't want to be served out of the next election. And I suppose you could also argue the case that you'd have more clout with the electorate if you were to essentially go before them ahead of an election and say, look, I mean, it's like this may be this policy of this party, this may be the policy of this party, but I think the right way to go about it and the best for the collective is this. And by yeah. going and doing that, I mean, and showing that sort of level of integrity, you might well win more votes. So it's a, you, you just yeah, don't know, you, do you? you? Might, uh, 
You might do. It is an electoral gamble, of course, because people of course. in life, you must have, you would have felt start probably the listeners as well. Um, people often want to please other people, so they'll say things in order to ingratiate themselves to that other person. And, 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 and this is true of politics. They want to have a, a popular message that goes down with the majority of the country. Well, you can't please anyone all the time. And uh, some, of the, some of the politicians I've admired over the years have given the hard truth, the hard, unvarnished truth. And you think, well, do you know what? It's not a very strong electoral message. But at least you're being more honest and authentic. And uh, I've warned some politicians, sadly, they've been very few over the years, but there have been some where they've just given us the, uh, a very honest message and say, it's not going to be easy, it's going to be tough. And I think in all walks of life, um, if a leader comes out and is forthright and is authentic and is honest and transparent about the challenges ahead, that almost commands more respect, does it not? It does, and I, I have found that myself. I bought the business earlier this year. It was loss-making and insolvent um, due to the COVID um, couple of years. But I, I was very honest with the staff. I said, look, turnarounds in business are painful. And um, people have uncertainty. People don't feel uncomfortable. They feel uncertain. They don't know whether, you know what the future holds. That's true in business, and it's true of us as a nation, with the economy. But at least, at least as the owner of the business and the person running it, you're being authentic and transparent and honest with them. And, that, um, and people, most people have a genuine sense, that a gut feel, that they're being told the truth and they'll stick with that person. And I think that's food for thought for anybody of the political class certainly tuning into this particular podcast today. And there have been several that have tuned into this uh, previously. Uh, Lord Blunkett, of course, is the chairman of our organisation. So we do certainly have those yeah. uh, links. So hopefully, of course, um, there'll be sort of uh, the positive side to this message will be resonating with them. And I think mm. what we need to acknowledge as well, both uh, sort of as, um, as a society, um, also um, as business, is that this is going to be a difficult economic period that we find ourselves in, whatever comes to pass with the policies that this government has announced so just before we sort of wrap up rob as we try and navigate this period as an industry as a society um i was wondering what some of your priorities are going to be over let's say sort of the next 12 months to, per se just for now because obviously you're mentoring businesses you're taking on board their mm-hmm. real concerns so what are you expecting to hear from them and how are you expecting to sort of help address that uh definitely cash flow constraints which is why on one level the uh, relaxing of some of the tax measures will be welcomed by um, business owners, entrepreneurs. If you've got some more cash in the business, what you're not going to do is pay yourself a big salary or increase your salary. What you're going to do is look for ways to improve, uh, is to sell more, improve your marketing, maybe take on additional staff. So I think cash flow will be at the forefront of a lot of business owners' minds. My clients are outside of that. Also, how to get ahead of competitors, because during choppy trading conditions, that is the best time, arguably, for a company to grow. Yes. Because whilst your competitors might be struggling, how can you find a way that you buck the trend and you gain competitive advantage and take market share? 
big question. So I know people that I work with and have worked with, that, that is at the forefront of their mind. They can make money during difficult times of recession and they can make money during boom time. Any fool can make money during a buoyant time. It doesn't take a lot of skill. What takes the skill, fortitude and good decision making, is making money when there's perhaps a recession or some adverse economic macroeconomic conditions. That's where you really see quality of leadership. I think that's very right. And I think it's a hugely important thing to consider, isn't it? The fact that, you know, so many successful businesses do spring out of times of economic hardship. And that is a message of real hope to anybody tuning into this that is of the entrepreneurial stock, let's say. And, um, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Because, they, because uh, as, a, as a group of people worldwide, we spend money. Uh, the, the, the trick for a business owner is how to get into that uh, that stream where people are spending money and are prepared to pay a premium price for a high value service or one that's valued. So, yeah, that's the challenge for us all as business people. Exactly right. And let's hope that business, of course, responds to the challenge again. It certainly did in the last economic crisis. It certainly has um, with COVID as well. So let's say, yeah. um, obviously, it's, we're in a constant state of flux with all of this and there is some uncertainty out there. But what I am very confident of is that the entrepreneurial spirit of our country is going to shine through once again, Rob. And uh, I think as we start to see uh, the situation kind of take hold a little bit more, we see the fog clearing and we understand more of what's, uh, what's happening. I'd love to catch up and have you back on the show even just to kind of see uh, yeah. how things are developing developing yeah yeah for sure and i've got an offer for your listeners uh i last year i authored a book um well co-authored with seven other business uh owners it's called the eight keys to unlock business success dot 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 even in a recession and i'm happy to give that out and to anyone that either gets this contact with you spot or with me on linkedin um, it's a fantastic read it, it's it's eight voices not one and um, the, what they're doing is in, their, in the book, in their sections, is depicting the highs and lows of business, how they overcome adversity and try and back out, back through the other end. So a free book to anyone that would like to have a read, either in contact with you or through me uh, or, or with me via LinkedIn. Yes, fantastic. Uh, do, of course, seek out uh, Rob Goddard or myself, Scott Challoner, on LinkedIn. We are both very much active on the uh, the platform. And uh, again, if this is something that does interest you, do please register your interest as well if you prefer to do it via formal means um, at leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us as well. And of course, we'll make sure that comment is uh, forwarded onto, uh, onto Rob for his attention. Um, and for anybody as well who um, of, um, has been listening into this podcast and you feel that the issues that we've discussed do resonate with you or you, you have your own perspective on a topical matter to share with us here then you two can apply to be on our program via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and take the mic to share that story with us and um, for now it has been an immense pleasure welcoming entrepreneur rob goddard onto today's program fantastic and thank you for your time rob and by all means do take care and as i say i think it'd be fantastic to you to catch up on this in future all the best everyone who's listening and to you Scott. And to all the listeners tuning into today's programme, I've been your host, Scott Challoner, on this episode of the Leaders' Council podcast. Please do take care all and goodbye.